Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. I am grateful to have you as a listener to the Build Your Success Podcast. It is great to have a special guest today to discuss being informed and showing conviction. Our special guest is Lakeland Mayor Bill Mutz. Bill Mutz was born in Indianapolis and graduated from Indiana University with a BS in finance and marketing. Following an early career in several distribution and vehicle service businesses, he became co-owner and president of Lakeland Auto Mall. Mayor Mutz and his wife, Pam, have been married for 42 years and are the parents of 12 children ages 41 to 20 years old. Bill and Pam have 23 grandchildren. Bill has served on many community and business boards. He and his wife speak nationally for family life at their weekend and remember marriage conferences. Bill is a founding member of Grace City Church and serves on its church's council. Welcome, Bill. It's great to have you on the podcast today. I really appreciate you including me, Brian. Thanks. You know, uh, I was able to meet you after uh, hosting a Live to Lead event here in Lakeland and and really enjoyed that. Thank you for helping us with that. You just really helped uh, tell me how I should go about finding support for that and and came and, and did a prayer for us at the beginning of the event. I've been intrigued. I think you got a great heart for this community, Mayor Mutz. Thank you. Well, it's a privilege to have it and to be able to live here and to participate in what you're accomplishing and encouraging people to try and reach out and live more effectively. I'm, I love that. Yes, sir. So today we're going to talk about, this is a topic that you told me you had a, a passion for. It's being informed and showing conviction. So what tools do you use to stay and become informed with your team? Well, I think it's so important for us not to get cryptic in our information inload. And I, we run the risk of doing that because of the fact that we have Internet snippets. We have uh, news snippets that we can listen to on Sirius with some people we may be channeling with respect to satellite radio or even our local radio news. We have headlines that we tend to only read uh, the lead, maybe sentence or two. And the reason there's an article in in any article is because most issues are complicated and multifaceted. And I get concerned when we become kind of social media informed or cryptically informed because we don't do enough time digging, spend enough time digging into issues. Uh, So one of the things that I find myself doing in terms of sourcing is uh, people that are actually close to the action. One of the things we've got to do is spend time on issues, talking to people who are really truly involved in the issues. I am so grateful we have a representative government as a nation and that our forefathers are wise enough to establish it that way because what that really entails is that we elect people We want to see do deep digging uh, in issues, do that job at a level that can't always be done by everyone. In the process, too, we have to spend as individuals enough time 
to know who to elect in that regard and why we would want to support certain issues and certainly to weigh in on issues as we may have more passion on some issues rather than others. So what are some ways you can do that effectively? You can do that certainly by making sure you build into your daily diet a good news source. Uh, someone that is some source of news that you feel like is pretty well balanced, some that represents national national news as well as local news. And with a team here at work, certainly some of that news is going to be internal within an organization, within our organization. And it takes time to know people, to know their responsibilities and their motivations, and uh, to listen to them. We and, and again, that goes back to the individual and the one-on-ones that we need to have in life. And we can't have one-on-ones with everyone, but we need to be able to have it certainly with the people who are heavily informed on the issues. Secondly, we have podcasts and we have the opportunity in areas that we want to make sure we're growing and having our thinking challenge uh, be represented in podcasts. And so, you know, many people like TED Talks for that reason, because it gives you a wide variety of challenging messages, some of which you may agree with and some of which you may not. Disparate thought is healthy. It's like working out. You know, you, if you want to know how to get stronger in your own convictions, you need to understand the resistance to some of those convictions from time to time and be informed properly. That's working out mentally against um, things that might be more aligned in our thinking. And I think disparate thought, by the way, also keeps us from the echo chambers of listening to people that are like us uh, instead of the one instead of other people that might have a different view. Different views create nuanced opportunities. The other thing is you can uh, read some books, and even when you're busy, and I find my schedule pretty well filled throughout the course of the day, I build in time to have books that are you know that I'm reading through um, audio, uh, some audio reading source that can do that. So you can pick up three or five pages while you're shaving, you know, or or while you're traveling in the car uh, to somewhere else. So you've got podcast opportunities to fill in space. You have uh, book opportunities to do that. And then I think you need to make certain within your industry that you're pretty current on some of the industry trade journals or whatever it may be in the association with to make certain you know some of the issues uh, that take place there. Then um, if I can then go to individuals at this point, I, I think you want to find sentinel individuals who you know are well-informed and who have a lot of great life experience that you can sit down and talk with, uh, particularly the more heated an issue may be. And I have found as mayor what a privilege that is, and it's probably easier for me to get those audiences than it might be for some people, but I'm going to purpose to find patriarchs and matriarchs in our city that have experience on questions that I need a little more history about and a little deeper understanding within. So that would be the way I would encourage our team to do that, that, to do likewise. And I think it keeps us from coming away with simplistic conclusions that are part of the story many times, but not the full story. That is excellent. I've got to dip my uh, pen back in the ink well. I ran out of ink on this. Uh, you've done a wonderful <laughs> job. Uh, See, one of the things that I wrote down is, is don't make decisions based on headlines. I kind of paraphrase that a little bit, but, but to think about that, sometimes we just go off on a tangent because we read a headline and we didn't get the whole story uh, or we've heard one of these snippets. Another thing I like to use as an analogy, you know, you're at the doctor's office and everybody's a Google doctor when they're in the waiting room. 
and I, and I, yeah, and I, that's I, great. That's great. A perfect example. I tell my family members when, when we're in those situations, I was like, listen, I would not want a doctor to tell me how to build a house. I'm a builder. I'm a general contractor. I'm not going to tell him what I just found on Google in 30 seconds of research. Right. <laughs> so right. uh, this snippets, you know, and, and in this microwave society we live in, we, we want our answers fast and we want to we do. take action quickly. And, and we need to absorb this stuff. You know, you talked about getting your information from balanced sources, local and national. And listening to that opposing view, you know, sometimes I've had a, a real strong conviction about something until I found out someone else's perspective and said, you know what? The way I was looking at this was completely wrong. So definitely. Those, well, look, can I take, can I, absolutely. Can I take just a little nuance on that too? The other thing is we need to enhance our loyalty to people who have performed consistently. And what do I mean by this? Um, when we know that an organization or an individual have been consistent performers, people that have reflected character well, people that have uh, held values high, and someone does a dive on them saying, look, they finally abandoned whatever their principles are, they're now doing this. That's what I call a one-off. Okay, so maybe there might have been an issue that might have even been a bad decision on that organization's part or something that's more controversial. I do not want to throw the baby out with the bathwater on someone who has been consistent over time. I make mistakes. I think we all make mistakes from time to time. And so you're going to make decisions sometimes that weren't, you know, when you reflect back on them, you go, that really wasn't smart. Run run with what has been consistent, not the one-off moments. And when a one-off moment seems to have occurred, and maybe it isn't even a one-off moment in that. Maybe it was very intentional the way that the decision was made for reasons that we haven't dug deep enough yet to find out. Um, Stand alongside those people until you understand why they may have made the choice they did to do whatever it was that's in question. Don't abandon quickly. And boy, I think social media wants us to take anti-aircraft shots at anybody who flies a little out of the pattern and take them down instead of understanding that, hey, this is an opportunity maybe to get them back on the flight track. Yeah, that's really good. And I've had employees before that they come in and ask me a question in the moment, and I answer it in the moment. And two weeks later, I, I asked them to do something. They say, well, you told me to do this last week. And I said, well, listen, I told you to do that in that situation. This is a right. different situation. Not, not all of my answers are for the moment you're in and I can change my mind. I can have new experiences in two weeks and say, you know what? That didn't work. I'm changing my mind. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. So, so that leads great into the next question. What are the ways you show conviction with your team? How do you do that? Mayor Rutz? Well, I want, um, first of all, to make sure the one thing I am responsible to do and that I can control is to be a good listener. So no one can do my thinking for me, and I have to make sure that I do excellent listening while I'm thinking. So I want to weigh in last. One of the things I try and do with respect to convictions is not to do be an early influencer, uh, because then I get a robot response back kind of uh, uh, criterion that I don't really want. I want, I love looking for nuggets of gold and nuggets of gold come out of broader conversations, not narrow ones. 
And so I want to listen to, so here's the issue. We can find what the issue is. Um, here's our limitation in capital to approach this issue. Here's an expected time frame for us to be able to meet to accomplish it. What are some of the alternatives that we have? What would be best use of resources? And off we go. And listen to the team. People who are some of the quietest people on your team have to be invited to participate with their thoughts. They are not the aggressive person in the room that jumps in right away, the alpha male dog, you know, that wants to lead all the time. They they need to be heard. And by the way, those people also never need to be interrupted. Because when you interrupt them, it is in as much as saying, okay, okay, we've heard enough from you, uh, quiet down, when that may not have been the intent at all in the interruption. And if they're interrupted and shut down, wise enough to watch that and say, by the way, we interrupted you, and I apologize for that happening, Sarah. You know, can you continue with the point you're making? That was excellent. Let's go ahead and see if you can resurrect that line of thought and quietly let the rest of the team know, don't do that again, <laughs> by example, in terms of the way that you're trying to encourage them. I make notes as people are making their points, some of which are the notes that surprise me, some of the notes that are maybe congruent with some of the things I've been thinking earlier. The surprising notes are the ones I want to go back to and ask some more enhancing questions on later after we've listened to everyone. This is a process. It requires patience. It isn't about making a decision quickly, but most decisions require capital expenditure and planning and our one-time mutually exclusive kinds of decisions also require great vetting. And so then I want to come back and say, okay, well, based on some of the things I've heard you say, and you're talking to the team, here's what it looks to me like your preferences are. If I'm missing this, tell me differently. I'm going to try and do a quick summary here and see if this is where you're kind of headed and some of the things, aspects we ought to include. And um, if I'm going to weigh in my opinion, I'm going to do it at the end of that summary and say, by the way, um, I am a little concerned about this expenditure of capital. I'd like to see us try and figure out how to do that with maybe a 10% savings of what we're talking about spending right now, if that's possible to do without cutting the quality or the purpose of what we're uh, trying to accomplish so that we get people into thinking maybe about how they might um, add some frugality to maybe the discussion or whatever the limited you know, time and money are always our two most limited resources. So how do we use those things? Well, how do we shorten the time it takes to deliver the product? And how do we shorten the cost of that product uh, without compromising the objectives? And so um, then re-engage the team to respond to that. That brings broad ownership to what deciding to do. When you bring broad ownership, you bring conviction for execution. So much of what we accomplish effectively in time will be multiplied later as there is much more owner, shared ownership in the decision than if we make a quick decision and nobody buys in because they slow down their desire to execute because they weren't part of the process. So the delta that is created between resistance and acceleration uh, oftentimes is made up for, most times, made up for by thorough discussions. Man, that's great. So, so how many times, and I love that three-part communication, this is what you, what I think you said, and then you know, agree to that. How many times have you been surprised when what you interpreted and, and what they message they wanted to give you was, was, was different? Mostly. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, see, see, we don't, we we do not have a um um, what's the, you know, a, a, the exclusion of good thoughts. We don't have all the good thoughts. We don't have a, that. What I'm trying to say is, we don't have a monopoly of good thoughts. Other people have really good ideas, and you may have one. I may have one, and you know, the pride in me wants to execute what I'm thinking. Pride in me wants the credit. Hey, you put that stuff away so that the team who you are as a group, which will almost always come up with a better decision and a higher quality decision, is what we want to celebrate. It isn't about us. It isn't about me. It's about us. So let me try this in this interview. I wrote down, let me see if I got it close to right. Brand ownership equals conviction of execution. Correct. That's excellent. I'd have been a lot smarter if I just said that. (laughs) And that, that team effort coming together is uh is necessary we're going to go further with more people helping us uh it's, it's, we're going to achieve more things but that leads right into uh, one of the topics you had in, in our, our discussion here how do you avoid coddling while seeking collaboration i want to talk about this because i think this is a crisis i think at large we are coddling people to make them feel safe and Unthreatened, and we don't grow in, in feeling safe. This may sound irresponsible, but we grow when we have when we're challenged. We grow when we have to think about other alternatives. We grow when we listen to ideas that are not aligned alongside our ideas. You see, I think there's a big difference in us uh, having moral convictions. I'm a total advocate of it personally. Biblical convictions, biblical guide in my life is where my morality is defined. I don't attempt to find that in my worldview. God defined that for us, and, I, and it is clear. And so if there's a biblical, spe- biblically specific um, moral code applied to anything we're doing, I'm going to follow that. So you don't have to know what a mystery is for me. That's that's where I'm going to come from. And that keeps me from having to spend a lot of time on relative decisions with respect to values. I'm going to respect, and, and biblical values, by the way, more than any other set of values, honor everyone. That's our responsibility. Love unconditionally. That's responsibility. And therefore are going to listen more intently and be as inclusive as possible without compromising the moral convictions. So if in fact that's where we kind of start, then the clarity starts to become if people are getting cryptic information, they're not digging deeply, send them back to do their work. It is clear to me you have not spent time studying the analysis we gave you or gone through the budget that was provided. I want to stop right now. Well, let's set a new time for this meeting. And once everybody has done that, then let's have a discussion because otherwise we're using this time together to bring some people up to speed who haven't done their work. And it's your responsibility to come to this decision-making moment informed. And so that's not being, that's not keeping you safe or not making you feel threatened. It's a reprimand. And it's a reprimand for not having performed what you were entrusted to do. And either on a volunteer basis in an organization in which you're giving your time, or in, certainly in a for-profit organization which you're paid for producing that time. And so 
um, that's a lack of uh, effort on your part. I was reading an article the other day about a university president who got done speaking and about six students came up to him and said, we do not like, sir, you said, that does not make us feel safe as students. And the university professor said, well, let me tell you something. This isn't a daycare. This is a university. There's not going to be thoughts that are only things that make you feel comfortable. We're going to have a variety of speakers on our campus, and some of them are going to be speakers that may challenge your values, and that's okay. It makes you stronger. It manages your convictions. That's what we have to do more of, in my opinion. We are coddling our kids. We're, not, we're, we're, set, we're setting up time for everything to happen in a controlled environment. You know, let's go to this organized course. It's now time to do our homework. It's time for you to do whatever you need to be doing uh, physically, you know, for exercise and eat these foods and now go to bed and get your sleep. I don't mean in that, you know, I, we have 12 kids, so I've raised a lot of kids. I want my kids to be well protected. But on the other side of that coin, I do not want to keep my kids from um, purposeless play. There's value in just playing with other friends in building social order in in uh, being challenged by other people's opinions, in being creative in boredom of creating a fort and different things that you can exercise and do or a little store or whatever it is, just having unassigned playtime that teaches us to start to grow up and make decisions and have people walk away because they think that's dumb. And, and it's okay. You don't go and say, don't tell, your, tell this person that was them, that was me. There's a little survival and all that. That just helps us be uh, tough enough. And so when we do it the other way, what we do is set up a horrible expectation, which is that your life should be uh, look like this perfectly defined future. It should be in a very sane and well-controlled corridor. Um, if there's things that are threatening that corridor, then we need to kind of get you away from those so that they don't bother you. That's hogwash. They need to be challenged by it. They need social activation of uh, people having differences of opinions, um, they they need to survive a little. And I think this comes out of this whole, um, you know, certainly the extreme is that we have people that are bullies in schools or even shooters schools where we start to worry about everything all the time and how, as parents, how can we make certain we're productive in terms of protecting our children. But you see, we can't be everywhere all the time. We can't protect our children all the time. And what's going to protect them is teaching them skills to navigate social order and have their own personal convictions. Um, we're looking at a decade where teen suicide has written, risen 56% in this country. In Polk County, the county we live in in Florida alone, we have had 3,700 Baker Acts in 2016, 17, and 18. And in the high school level, we are watching parents pay for tuitions um, to be able to get their kids in schools that look idyllic for their future from the parents' perspective, teach the children to lie that they know how to do uh, rowing or some sport that they never really participated or were even good in under the guise of a scholarship that's provided for them. In other words, the end justifies the means. And um, we look at um, social media where everything looks perfect and life is caught in only our best moments instead of recognizing we all fail and we're all dependent. 
What that does is it teaches us to work towards some unrealistic house of cards ideal, which does not exist and, and will blow down in the first windstorm because there's no muscle in it and there's no backbone in it and there's no life thriving in it. Um, and instead, what we should be doing is saying, you were designed to each of the children or anybody on our team, you were designed for a purpose with the gifts you have been given. And comparison is always a killer. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Thrive in who you are. If we are going to not coddle, then we have to encourage people to thrive to become everything they can be. And I am sick and tired of getting safe, protected adults, people that are in their 20s, that need to just learn how to grow up and that we're not here about making life easy for them. They're here to be able to grow in life, responsible, hardworking, thought-provoking, contributing adults that make a difference because of what they bring with their gifts to the party. Mayor Butts, that's, that's wonderful. I, uh, you're, 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 for our listeners, you're hearing the conviction in his voice. And, and not only is he convicted about this, he, he, he is so concerned about it. He knows these statistics in his head about his local area, what's happening with suicide rate, what's happening with these things. He's not just making headlines like, like we talked about earlier. He knows what the problems are and some of the reasons why we have these problems today. We got to hold people accountable. You can't just say, okay, everybody's going to be fine and happy and rosy and we're all going to live in this crazy uh, world. The first time I met with Mayor Mutz, and hopefully, Mayor, you can finish this for me because I don't have it in front of me, but I did write it down. You talked about how life is a mess and we try to straighten it out and organize it. So what are, well, yeah, I, I, my, my, my comment is that we like life to look like a gated community, but life is messy. It's anything but a gated community. And our responsibility is to dive into the mess and make the most of the best and the least of the worst. There you go. I, I knew it was a, a very good quote, and thank you for that. You know, you uh, it, it's so crazy. Even the, the colleges that, that I speak with sometimes tell me, these high school students are coming out of high school. They can't do simple math. They can't read and write. They've got to have remediation to make it through college. It's sad right. that we're setting people up well, for that kind of failure. In fact, they're doing life skill courses for freshmen because they don't know how to do bank accounts. They don't know how that many of them have never been given responsibilities. Um, I, I love what Howard Hendricks used to talk about, um, the fact that you, you – uh, uh, promiscuity before marriage is the greatest threat. Promiscuity after marriage. So there's one principle. You know, just teach kids to be able to be responsible morally when they're growing up, so that they know they can be responsible as adults after they get married. That's what commitment's about, and all those kinds of things. And in addition, if you want to make someone dependent upon you, then you do for them what they could be perfectly capable of doing for themselves. And what we have to recognize is we shouldn't be filling out any of their homework assignments. We shouldn't be doing their science project. We shouldn't do their college applications and, and any of that stuff. So our kids would come in and say, hey, their parents helped them with it. I get, and I'd say, well, I'm, I feel sorry for them. But meanwhile, you sit back down and finish your application because I'm not doing an item on it. Your job is to grow up. Your job is to accept responsibility. We had a son who is uh, 26 who is working in a uh, Raleigh-Durham uh, 
you know, the research triangle area of the country company right now that is a very aggressive company and a great think tank opportunity for him. And he says, Dad, I just want to thank you for making us. Because I work around a bunch of people who just want to have somebody else do their things all the time. Don't pick up after themselves. Don't rinse their glasses out and put them in the dishwasher, you know, because they have a little kitchen for that kind of thing in their workspace. And, you know, I'm the one who cleans it all up because they don't do it for themselves. And what you want, what we want to create are adults who are authentic, who um, are clear communicators, who in their transparency show great intentionality in terms of the direction and responsibilities they want to take and who don't expect other people to push their grocery cart uh, away from their parking space into a rack, but rather see a grocery cart in a parking space as they get to a grocery store and walk in with it in their arms and do a little bit of the work on the way when they're walking anyway, pick up that piece of trash, just turn off those lights, which is walking out of an empty room. They're difference makers because they're present. That's great. Well, I know you and I could go on this, these type of talks, topics for days, but we do have to close the podcast out. Mayor Mutz, it was great to have you on the podcast today. How can our listeners get in contact with you or find out what you're doing with the city? Um, well, we have the city of Lakeland does a great job in terms of communicating what's going on in the city. And occasionally I may get mentioned in, in that, but the, um, uh, so following the city of Lakeland in Lakeland, Florida is uh, one way to do that. Uh, I don't tweet often. I mostly read uh, tweets, but I'm at Dozen Dad uh, on Twitter, and I am uh, at Dozen Dad on Instagram, and uh, Bill Mutz on Facebook. All right, I will include for our listeners. I'll include that in the uh, podcast description today. It was our pleasure to have you listen to the podcast today. Please subscribe to the podcast, give us an honest rating and review, and share this podcast with others. Thank you. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.